So good evening, everyone. Uh, for, for those of you that are, have uh, come on retreats before, this is often the time that we, we would offer a formal Dharma talk. And uh, what we're offering on this retreat is, is really an integrated talk. So that there'll be some uh, sharing um, of uh, uh, Buddhist teachings along with direct practice during that time, um, during that time period, this time period of uh, those teachings. <clears throat> so as I was listening to some of the questions today, both um, in the large group and, um, and in the small group, that, uh, the smaller groups that met today, the, those folks that are brand new to, uh, to retreat practice, uh, one of the, th- the things that uh, came up in my mind is, um, wh- what's the point? <laughs> Did anyone have that question today? Like, what's the point? No? A few. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and, and here you, you might hear, you know, the response, you know, from the teacher's audience, like, oh, you know, it's just a thought, or don't get caught up. You know, I found myself saying that today, you know. You don't need to go into you know, discursive thinking or analytical mind. But is it, in a way, does that mean it's a useless question? Not at all, really. Not at all. So I want to talk tonight a little bit about what's the point? Um, what's the point of one-pointedness? Um, and just you know, continue with our practice of uh, bringing the attention to to the body and the bodily experience, and including awareness of the breath, <clears throat> which for some of you, many of you, that may be a very familiar way to practice. For others, it may be <clears throat> a new um, instruction. So as I was reflecting on this, so I'm going to talk a little bit, and then we'll do some practice together. Maybe talk a little bit after that as well. <clears throat> I hope that you find this useful. That's the intention of offering a talk is, I know that sounds like obviously so, but actually there's, there's lots of instructions in the Buddhist teachings of how to even listen to a Dharma talk or listen to Dharma teaching. So you want to listen for what feels useful to you or what feels like something you can try for yourself. <clears throat> so that's my wish for you that in this offering um, this evening that you will find um, some usefulness uh, for yourself, both in your practice and maybe even maybe even some answers to the what's the point. So what I'd like to focus on is one-pointedness, concentration, and this very interesting word called renunciation. Alisa talked about it this morning um, in uh, the the cell phone ceremony. You know what is it what does it mean to you know, really, uh, talk about renunciation, that's a big one. That's a really, I was, you know, just kind of in awe. Um, as you also said, Elisa, you know, just seeing people come up and release that phone, you know. And, and my first practices with that in here and in this hall were with teenagers. Um, Chaz and I both are involved in the teen retreat that's been going on in this center for 31 years. 31 years, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, and asking the teens to give up their cell phones. Whoa, 
that's really where it started, is with the teens, you know, really before the adults. And uh, I was just so inspired by them because they were willing to do that, or at least the ones that did. <laughs> um, same as you all. Uh, and one thing that really struck for me was at the end of one of those retreats and we were handing back the cell phones and uh, this young man who now he's, he's in his 20s and you know, continues to practice um, very seriously, he took the phone and he said, I don't know. I don't know if I want to open this up. I was like, wow. That was four days of meditation practice. He was maybe 17 years old. That was a that was a wonderful moment for me seeing that it really uplifting like it it really inspired my uh, faith in this transmission if you will of these teachings through through generations and generations of human beings and and culture upon culture upon culture. So this thing about renunciation, if I think about my relationship to the Western culture that I've been brought up in, and also in a Christian tradition, um, it was kind of, you know, renunciation is kind of have like a dirty word, you know, like not a great flavor, like you're, you're denying yourself something. You know, you're having to like grit it out because you can't have this. So you can't have this, but you really want that. So just, you know, I can just feel the tightness in my body, you know, like I'm saying no to this, what I really want, and then I'm pushing over here to get what I want. And, you know, we're caught in that. We can be caught in that incredible suffering of striving and, again, like gritting our teeth. So what if, what if renunciation was a, um, more of an invitational practice? As a matter of fact, it's when you, when you begin to read and reflect on some of these teachings in the Buddhist tradition, you'll hear things like, when you let go of everything, then everything belongs to you. It's like... So, you know, it sounds good, looks good, but what's it like in practice? Well, here's a way in our culture we might understand it. Let's say you're going through training in some kind of discipline, whether you're a musician or an artist or an athlete or you're in school. You know, we practice renunciation in those traditions all the time in order to get, you know, uh, our work completed or to build up the skill we're announcing you know, for an athlete, it may be lots of things, you know, renouncing going out partying or, you know, just to, to really develop those skills and to build the scales of uh, musical training. You know, there's, there's a lot of renunciation in that, and that's really acceptable in our culture. And yet, when it comes to spiritual practice, ah, you know, it can, it can be like a little suspicious, like, well, what is, what, why should we have to do that? And how is renunciation really connected with this, uh, this concentration or one-pointedness? Here's another um, illustration of 
it might seem a little cultural here. So there's a cartoon, Hager the Horrible. And in the first frame, Hager is climbing up a steep mountain, laboring away, laboring away up the mountain, gets to the top of the mountain. The second frame, of course, there's a wide sage with a long beard. Must be male, right? What else? Um, white and male, of course. You know, No other kind of sage could be. Um, I'm being facetious, of course. So there's a wise sage at the top of the mountain. And the, um, the seeker says, Oh, great sage, please teach me the secret of happiness. The sage takes a moment, quietly but clearly says, Simplicity, self-restraint, renunciation. Hager pauses and says, Is there anyone else up here I can speak to? It's like we want, the, we want the fruit, but maybe the practice. Can we just get there quickly? And then, you know, you may have noticed that in your practice today. Just like, what's the, you know, if it's not coming, whatever that is, what's the point? Why am I here? Doubt arises. And sometimes just real discontent, agitation can arise. Or judgment, as some of you talked about, you know, the self-judgment, not doing it right. You know, renunciation, we could say, is an acquired taste. You know, but, but why? Why? Well, some uh, colleague once wisely said, if we can't understand our own mind, how can we understand the world? If we don't know our own minds, how can we understand anything else about the world we're in? And, you know, we could say, whoa, that's kind of, that's kind of in the field, kind of in the larger field. We know what it's like when we're around um, unconscious behavior or speech and the harm, the harm that that can inflict, sometimes very unintentionally and unconsciously. But nonetheless, there's not that one-pointedness. There's not that clarity of mind when a mind acts out of ill will or greed or just not seeing our interconnectedness, just not getting. I mean, how can we, if we really understand our interconnectedness, how can war happen? You may have some answers to that, but it's, I'm not offering it so that we debate it. It's just a, it's just a, a pause to really look at what do these teachings offer us and how can we apply them in our direct practice of meditation, not in our thinking about them. So in this path uh, of the Buddhist teachings, and many of you, if not all of you, may be familiar with these the seminal teachings of Buddha's first, first sermon, if you will, first talk, was the Four Noble Truths. Is everyone familiar with the Four Noble Truths? If not, highly recommend that. Um, I mean, these days with the internet, you can Google them, and uh, there's a beautiful uh, website called Access to Insight. There's a, um, some direct translations of the Buddhist teachings. So the fourth noble truth, um, lots of lists in this particular um, Theravada tradition. The fourth noble truth describes what's called the Eightfold Path, and the Eightfold Path really is clear. Uh, direction, if you will, or guidance in living our lives. Not just, oh, here's how you meditate, sit on a cushion for the rest of your life. It's really how we live our lives. 
And the first two, the first two are about understanding, understanding and intention. So the first is wise view or wise understanding, understanding the connectedness of life, understanding the impact of acting out of greed, acting out of ill will, acting out of a sense of mm, separateness or, or a lack of understanding of our interconnectedness. So what follows with wise view, wise view is understanding that uh, if we have intentions, say the opposite of those, so the opposite of greed would be uh, goodwill. Or the opposite, the opposite of uh, hatred would be goodwill. You know. So there's an intention of goodwill. This would be wise intention in this noble path. Wise intention would be goodwill, harmlessness, and renunciation. So we talked about harmlessness last night. Uh, we'll, we'll explore more as the retreat unfolds practices, direct practices around loving kindness where we can infuse our intention of goodwill. And then there's this, the intention of renunciation, which in fact you've been practicing all day today. So every time, actually, you know, there were questions today about um, um, not wanting to come into the hall. And we certainly know that's not just one person. Mm-hmm. It's just, it could most likely is the majority. Um, and that's not because you know, you're bad yogis or you're not practicing well or just because you're beginners. Believe me, that's not, not the case. Uh, so what does it mean to renounce the, I'll just get in the car and go for a burger. You know, like they don't have any meat here. I really need protein. No, I'm, I'm just going to, no one's going to know. I mean, it's not a Zen practice. No one's going to come to my door and give me the switch. And I'll, I'll just, just walk down that path and get in the car and Barry's just down the road and just grab a burger and come back. Well, so would that be horrible if we did it? You know, no. I mean, you're just, you're with your mind wherever you go. Um, and in fact, people who have done that... <laughs> Often we'll come back and say, you know, it really wasn't that gratifying. <laughs> Which might be different than the person today who was talking about going for the run. That that was actually sort of a, a wise practice of balancing, balancing energy. You know, the, the system needed some, some infusion of energy. So that, that actually was very useful. This is what Chaz meant when he said, you know, it's, we become our own meditation teacher. And sometimes it's hard to trust that in the beginning of practice. Um, so that's why, you know, having trusted teachers is very, very helpful because we don't always know. It's hard to tell. Like, yeah, you can kind of drive yourself crazy. Like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I remember going into Joseph Goldstein once and saying, you know, I was just trying to figure out how long. it was a long retreat. I was saying like, how long I should sit and walk? And, you know, even though there was a schedule and you know what he said? He just said, just sit and walk. <laughs> I was like, was so liberating. It was so liberating for me. It's like he didn't say, well, you know, you know, because you've practiced this way, you could do this and you could do that. He just said, just sit and walk. There's something that's so freeing about just, quote, surrendering to the schedule. 
it's not, you know, the intention isn't to give up our autonomy or to, you know, like you're just like herding sheep. Don't you, don't you feel a little bit like when you're in this, the line for lunch, like, you know, <laughs> it just feels like that sometimes, you know, and maybe it hasn't to you, but I've had that experience. You know, it's like, where are we? You know, can we bring our attention to right here, right now? When we simplify, we get to see more clearly. We just get to see more clearly. It's kind of that simple. Now, undertaking it may not feel so simple because it requires a commitment, a recommitment over and over again. Just this. Just this right now. Just here right now. Oh, I don't want to go into the hall. You should go into the hall. I want to go into the hall. You should go into the hall. And the next thing you know, your feet are just taking you into the hall. Like something just happens. Something's unfolding. There's some trust there. Like, you know what? They're offering this program. They say it's helpful. Maybe I'll try it. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's not even that conscious thinking. You're just, you're just in the hall. Or you're in your room. And you're, you're laying there you're like, what am I doing here? Oh, okay, well, I, you know, I didn't go in the hall. Now I'm on my bed. I, I was going to come here to read a book, but I actually don't feel like doing that. I'm just laying here. Oh, maybe I'll meditate. And then you just, there you are. It's like rather than like perseverate, oh, I should have gone into the hall. You know, oh, geez, I'm such a terrible yogi. And, Oh, what if the teacher sees that I'm not there? And oh, it's just gonna really gonna have a whole idea about me. And it isn't really true that idea that they have. You know, we, our stories get going. So what about just like noticing? Okay, mind is is doing its thing, and here is this living system right here, right now, laying down posture. How oh, can I just pay attention to my breath, or the breath, or the body? No surrendering into the moment, letting go of the the thinking mind that tells me who I am. There's always a doorway, and yet you can see that how I'm telling this story is really directing your attention to stick with the practice, no matter where you are. Why? Because that cultivation of renunciation. And renunciation, by the way, I love this, it's considered divine contact. Or here's another interpretation, walking with the gods. Walking with the gods. You know, we think we're going to lose something if we don't get that burger or what we want in the moment. But in fact, actually, we're entering into this letting go of everything allows everything to belong. So even when it's tedious, even when it's like, don't want to do it, you know, just showing up, just showing up for the walking, showing up for the sitting. This this bears fruit. We're we're bringing our, we're honing that attention in. We're honing that attention in. And the more we hone in, it does several things. One, it actually produces, you, you may not feel it in the moment, but it actually cultivates a sense of calm. A sense of calm. I don't know about the rest of you, but 
in reading the news. Hmm? It's like, no judgment. I want to know what's going on. But at some point, it's like I watch the agitation in my body. I watch the thoughts in my mind. It's like, hmm. Let's just take a moment to be right here, right now, in this moment. Even if the world's going to end in the next second, how do you want your mind and heart to be if that's what's happening? Oof. Yeah, I'll, I'll connect with this breath. I'll connect with this heartbeat. I'll connect with this intention for loving kindness, for well-being. So even though it seems kind of dry, the instructions, which you're about to get, you know, pay attention to the breath, or, or uh, I want to add to the instruction tonight um, that we spend a little bit of time of just making a commitment to not moving and just explore that together. Short, don't worry, short. Um, and we'll just see how that is. When we make this intention to just, in a loving and kind way, say no, What comes of that? What, what, what fruits come of that? So as I said, calm. Calm to the mind and body. Maybe not in the moment, but you will find that. You could have a whole retreat, five days of restlessness. Ugh, okay, coming back again, back to the breath, back to sitting. Oh, this isn't going anywhere. And then you walk outside and you feel you feel the fruits of that practice. You feel the sense of calm. You notice the sense of concentration. So that's the other aspect of this one-pointed attention. It strengthens con- concentration. That's why you hear in the secular world of you know how mindfulness is used to help people with their tests and you know help people in their corporate jobs and help people in lots of ways. Um, it's it does help the the brain and the mind. Um, strengthen concentration. So again, what's, why is that useful? What's the point? What's the point of one-pointedness? Uh, well, when we have that sustainable clarity of mind, and when I say sustainable, I'm not saying every single moment, because our mind goes here and there. And even when you have you know, many years of practice, that's what the mind does. The only difference between that yogi and someone who's just beginning is you don't worry about it. You know that's, the, that's what happens to the conditioned mind. It goes here, it goes there. You just notice it, you come back. You don't need a medica- meditation cushion to do that. However, without the practice, we're kind of lost. You know, I, dare I say that? I, I know that's a strong thing to say, but you know, it's like jumping from one you know, reactive thought to another. It's not suggesting thoughts are bad or wrong. But with that, uh, with that training of mind, we do get to see more clearly. And when we can see more clearly, we, we see cause and effect. We see the impact of, whoa, saying that unskillful thing. We see the impact in our own heart or in the other person. You know, we can slow down enough that Oh, when we reach out, like, well, maybe, do I really need this? Hmm, maybe not. So what's it like in that space of the not? 
particularly if we're not value judging, you may sound like I'm doing that with the reaching out, it's more like less than value judgment. It's more as looking at how habit is created. That's what Lisa was talking about today. It's not judging us. Oh, we're all addicts. That's not the point at all. It's really just looking at habit, habit of mind. No, that doesn't make us bad or wrong. It just means, wow, we can get caught in that in kind of a robotic kind of way. So when we, we, re, when we cultivate a different kind of habit, maybe the habit of, I don't know that I really need this. Sometimes when I'm looking into my closet and I have to get dressed, go to work, I think about... My Dharma sisters, the nuns, the renunciates, I just think, wow, their mind, you know, their minds don't have to deliberate around their clothes. Now, maybe if there was a monastic here, you, you know, they might say, well, that's not really true because they have, to, they have really clear practices around how to care for their clothing. But you understand what I'm saying, that simplicity, that simplicity of not having to choose, you know, or... Uh, another time, I'll just say, many years ago when I was in my 20s, I lived, I lived in, um, in England. And when I came back, it, just, and this, it was another Western culture, of course, I came back, I couldn't believe the difference in the grocery stores, like just how much choice there were in American grocery stores. And like, it wasn't like, oh, isn't that great? I can get one of 25 different kinds of toothpaste. It really wasn't like that. It was more like, oh, this is it's kind of burdensome burdensome having to pick just the right one. So this renunciation really is an invitation to another kind of freedom. Another kind of uh, well, back to that quote, letting go of everything, everything belonging. So let's practice a little bit with this, Um, just with the breath. Let's practice with the breath. So finding nice, comfortable position. Oh, you want to do stand? Oh, yeah. Oh, good idea. Um, Oh, okay. Group mind. It's helpful. (laughs) So, so what I'd like to suggest in terms of uh, this one pointedness, um, if you're willing, how about this? We'll, We'll 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 sit for five minutes. So it's not going to be long. Maybe that is long to you. It's not going to be long. If you can, and if you're willing, see if you can make the intention to not move. Okay, give yourself time now to settle in. And you can notice right now what happens in your body, like, uh, uh, can't do it. So just relax. It's okay. You know, you, you won't be a criminal if you move. But if you just have that intention to not move, 
it is also a practice in renunciation. And see if you can just be with even like hating that. Whatever comes up for you around that, including wishing that I never suggested it. It's whatever comes up. Okay? So I'm going to give some instruction around, um, just around uh, paying attention to the breath. You, you also can have that intention of not moving um, as you're um, following um, these instructions or guidelines around bringing the attention to the breath. Okay? All right, so taking a bit to settle. Look like you all feel pretty settled. And just as we've been saying, if it um, is useful to you to just allow your eyes to close gently. Letting yourself feel that contact with the cushion, the chair, the bench. So settling into that sense of grounding, connection, receiving those sensations. And just notice perhaps how you can soften or relax or if there's any kind of tightening, you know, in the front of the body, in the belly or the chest area or the throat. Just notice how you can allow that to just be at ease. Just be at ease however it is. Sometimes I'll just give myself a little gentle note like it's okay to those areas of the body where it feels like, no, it's not okay. That's okay. That just allows it to soften a bit. And this may happen naturally for you or, or not. Just beginning and calmly and clearly just beginning to notice in your body where you feel sensations of the breath. So for some, it may be that you notice movement in the belly. For others, you may notice movement in the chest. And for still others, you may notice it in, around your mouth or your nostrils. And maybe for others, you're just not so sure. It can be that subtle. If I just want to say this, if there's anyone as you're listening to this, if it's it's very agitating for you to pay attention to the breath. Just translate my instructions right now to sound. So going to receiving sound or um, continuing with sense, going back to the sensations in the body of sitting. Contact. And for the rest of us, again, just connecting with now that sense of movement. And what do I mean by connecting? Just starting with receiving it.
And if you notice that your attention is wandered away from that or or your your attention is kind of frantically like I got to get this right, just take a pause. If you're wandered away, no problem, just come back. Just bring your attention back. It's that simple. Okay. Receiving the sensation, receiving and connecting. And if you're bearing down on it, got to get this right, relax a little. There's nothing nothing to get to. We're just exploring. In the next five minutes, we'll just practice in this way, this simple way, receiving and connecting sensation of breath, moment to moment. What do I mean by that? Just this moment, that's all there is. Whenever you notice that your mind is somewhere else, no problem. Just come back. So let's just practice that way in the next five minutes. Feels like it's tense or tight for you, just soften. Allow your system to relax. And if it feels like you're far away, just come in a little closer.
when in a few moments time you'll hear the sound of the bell and when you hear that see if you can include that in this same spirit of mindful attention so you might also notice receiving receiving sound and as you receive that sound can you so stay with it till the sound is no longer. And as you open your eyes, actually the receiving can continue, the receiving of seeing. So we just have a couple of minutes and uh, I just like to hear from maybe a few of you, maybe anyone who hasn't spoken yet today in the hall, just what, what did you notice, particularly with that intention to, to not move? And, you know, whatever your experience was is welcome. So everyone would be willing to share that. Uh-huh. And so their experience was experiencing this sharp pain and couldn't really believe that I could stay with it without moving. It sounds like the implication is there's you didn't move. So how was that? So the mind was saying you can't do this, but then what happened? Um, by the time I moved, I didn't need to anymore. Mm-hmm. By the time it was time to move, I didn't need to anymore. Thank you. I mean, our minds think they know, which, you know, be careful of not suggesting, oh, okay, the teacher up there is saying you can never move. It's not really what this practice, what we just did is about. It's more like exactly what you just gave as an example we can get caught in thinking we need to do something or have to, we have to get, have to feel better. And in fact, actually, do you feel a little bit, does it feel strengthening in a way, what happened? Yeah. There's some strengthening and just, can I just be present for this right now? Here's the intention. And when there's enough, you know, energy for that or the conditions are right for that, it can happen. When they're not, they're not. Thanks. Someone else?
loopholes. Ah. Yeah. So, so when the body was breathing, breathing, you were moving. Yeah, were you doing that? Good luck. We'd be calling 911, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We, we actually think we're doing something, but actually the body is responding to its own natural capacity to take in air. And yes, it is movement. It is movement. But are we doing that movement? Is, you know, a worthy. I mean, I wouldn't spend all day on the question. <laughs> but, you know, life is happening <laughs> through us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what what um, this person is saying is that it started with, like, well, I was breathing, so I was, you know, the breath, w- I was moving because breathing was happening. And then also noticing the hands, the vibrations in the hands. So, you know, as we, you know, uh, make this commitment to stillness, we notice the incredible movement of life that's going through it, this system. Yeah. I don't know if that's a loophole. Maybe maybe it's actually just seeing what's happening. Thank you. So there, I'm sure there's more, but it, it is uh, 8.15 and we want time for, for walking. Um, and then we'll have a, a, a short sit, not as long as it says on the schedule. So that'll be gay for some people and ah uh, for other people. So, um, but if it's ah uh, for you, you can sit longer. <laughs> the hall doesn't lock up. <laughs> but we'll have a short sit, and, and Chaz is going to lead us um, in a chant, a loving-kindness chant. So um, it's worth coming in the hall for. And uh, it, it's on your, um, your, the back of your um, refuge and precepts sheet. If you don't have that, there's some up here. So that said, you know, it, you've, you know, it's been a long day. I'm sure Chaz will speak to that um, in, in wishing you good night. But, you know, if you, you, know, if you can actually kind of stay with it, you know, it's, it's, it can be sweet at night too. Just give yourself a gentle walking meditation right now and I'm back in the hall for a short set. We can close out the evening together. So I thank you for your listening and thank you for your practice. And again, I hope this is useful for you um, as you continue. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.